It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Now, what's next? Next up! It's the next man up! The next step is taking next step. Next step. Next step. Next up. Next. Next up. This team wants to be next. This is Next Up with Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. Let's see. What's next? Next. Next. Here we go. Let's get things moving here on a Tuesday morning. What is this? December the 5th. God, it'll be 2024 here in just a little bit. Stan Fleet sitting here to my left. He is Chris Gordy. That's Connor D. McGovern on the other side, thanks to the Sean Salisbury Show. We wake up with him each and every weekday morning, 6 to 10 a.m., right here on Sports Talk 790, your home for Houston sports. We'll be with you till noon before we get you over to Matt Thomas and Ross Villarreal. Good morning, Houstonians. Hope everybody had a wonderful evening, rested well, watched some Monday night football, and there are Texans implications. We will talk more about the state of our Texans over at NRG. Uh, Aaron Wilson was over there, our resident insider. He is uh, a big shot in the NFL community, and he trusts us with information. So he'll drop by the show and give us that, Chris Gordon. Uh, we heard from D'Amico. We heard from C.J. Stroud yesterday over at NRG. I want to make sure that the audience hears that as well. I want to get back into this playoff, and it helps us here locally. Obviously, the national championship is here at NRG and the fact that we are the flagship station for the Longhorns, Gordon, makes me feel much better about the Longhorns being in the playoff, and so it's good for business. Therefore, we will talk. I also want to hear from you. You over at U of H. You right. Hit me with that real quick. Give me a soft intro. How did that thing go over there at U of H yesterday? Willie Fritz being named head coach. Good. I mean, he's on paper. He's a great hire. Now we got to see him go to work. So, you know, a lot of reason to be excited. It's a guy who... Uh, He's won at every level, every stop he's been. Yeah. So, you know, now he's got a, a tall task of coming to the Big 12 and trying to make U of H relevant again. Can we do this just two seconds? And I will get into the NFL, I promise, as we wrap up week 13 last night, Monday Night Football. Is there a world? Because I remember asking myself this question when TCU was on their run a year ago. Is there a world where U of H can actually pull this off and be a legitimate playoff contender, especially with an expanded field? Is that realistic? U of H, Big 12 competition, Big 12 budget, Big 12 schedule, Big 12 athlete signing to come on board. Is it realistic in the next three to five seasons? U of H in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, in the day and age of transfer portal, they could do it in year one. I mean, it's it's not it can be done. It's not the craziest thing. And and keep in mind, the Big Twelve's losing their two toughest members, so this is also the, true. the road gets a lot easier. I think that attracted. Look, uh, Willie Fritz could have stayed at Tulane for the next decade and dominated there because they're in the American. Yep. And no offense to the American, but it got a lot weaker when Houston and UCF and Cincinnati and BYU all left. Very much true. Um, so. You know, he could have just kept dominating there, but I think he saw the window opens with the big coming to the Big Twelve. Now, I think what Colorado's gonna join. Colorado comes so back. You get yeah. Dion, but 
I mean, real realistically, how long is Dion there for Colorado? Another two years, maybe. I don't know. Maybe one year. I mean, he's going to jump to something know. else that comes along. Uh, yeah, I think Willie Fritz saw the writing on the wall. Said Texas and Oklahoma out. Let me get in there and look to to their credit. Kansas is play is probably the most Kansas relevant. They've back, been yeah. a while. Kansas, Kansas State, State yeah. you know, Baylor's a little down, but they had some great years. So Aranda's going to be back. Big, I saw that. Yeah, Big Twelve is 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 a pretty tough conference, but still, like it's you get the you get the Jimmys and Joes. U of H can absolutely you can go ten and two in the Big Twelve, win you know win it win it and then make the playoff. Absolutely, I think there is a world. Right where U of H will put the resources. If Willie Fritz continues to be a program builder that we believe him to be, the resources are there. The history of dudes that have come through, I think they'll be fine. They got to recruit, obviously, Houston and throughout the state of Texas. Better being in the conference will help you do that. They don't have an issue with apparel over there. The apparel looks fine. The Jordan logo all over the place. So all of that stuff, the breaking ground on a new football facility, all of that stuff is checking. Yes. I really like that stadium too. I mean, it's I do too. It's one it where there's cool. not a bad seat in <laughs> yeah. there. You got a great view of the I field agree. and all that. But uh, look, the the biggest feather in Tom Herman's cap was he st- he made U of H cool again, and the big one was he got Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver was a big was five star yeah. recruit from Houston, had offers from LSU, A and M, all these places, and chose to stay home at U- at U of H. It would take somebody like that if you get. A five-star running back, five-star quarterback. It's got to be a QB. Somewhere yeah. in there, they got to go get well, one of those guys. But, yeah. but look at what Fritz Fritz just had a two-lane the last couple of years. Michael Pratt mm-hmm. was an elite-level passer and, and won them a lot of games there. So, All right, so that's the college game. We'll talk more about the playoff. I heard from mine. Uh, you can hear him on uh, Fox Sports in culmination with what we do here on Sports 790. Uh, Joel Klatt, he's the lead analyst for Fox Sports. And I listened to a podcast his reaction to the committee's decision. I want to come back to that. I thought he had some really good nuggets at how we arrived here. However, Gordon, on Sunday and Mondays, they play football some Thursday nights, too. Last night, the Texans got helped out, and I mean a lot, due to unfortunate circumstances. Did you watch the whole game? I did. I was shocked at how well Jake Browning was playing. I'm like, he's he's playing, you know, maybe not as good as Joe Burrow, but he was going toe-to-toe, mm-hmm. and then suddenly Jacksonville takes the, you know, takes a lead, and you're like, ah, crap, here it goes. And then the Bengals answered right back. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the biggest event of the night. Sure, sure. And so for people that didn't watch the game, probably should set this up. The Bengals, in overtime, beat the Jaguars 34-31. So the Jags now take a L and they, the lead, if I could talk. The lead of the AFC South has now shrunk to one game. Now, the Colts, for the moment, happen to be just ahead of the Texans in the two spot in the AFC South. Jacksonville, one game lead over both teams in the one spot. We play Indianapolis again, week 17, week 18, somewhere in there. But but you're missing the biggest story. I'm getting there. I'm just setting how we got to what makes this significant. Trevor Lawrence goes down with an ankle injury, stepped on by his own lineman. I thought it was broken. So when the initial report that Trevor Lawrence had the ankle, and I'm watching it real time, how he got up and then dropped right back down, Gordon, I was like, that's broken, and that I don't know if that's Achilles. I don't know yeah, if that's, that's ankle. And then I think it was a tear because of how he reacted, throws his helmet. Right. Ian Rappaport originally said it was a broken fibula, a la, speaking of U of H football, Tank Dale breaks his fibula. So I was like, damn. Trevor's got a broken fibula. Crazy things happen in the game of football. It is what it is. But without Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville looks a lot different moving forward. 
Now, who is it? C.J. Beathard? I'm not trusting in him to take them on a run into the yeah. postseason. And we don't know. I'm speculating. We don't know how long Trevor's going to actually be out. It sounds like they avoided the worst. They though. thought it was going to be I disastrous. Mean, I thought it was going to come yeah. out, and he's done for the year. They have not said that. And then they even said teammates were going up to the locker room yesterday and then walking away smiling with what he was telling them. So, so he had crutches available to him, but he was standing without them, to your point, as he was talking with teammates. But the good news, at least for the Texans, and again, you never want to cheer for an injury, but mm-hmm. like if he's going to miss a little bit of time here, it looks like. So. And if you look at their schedule, they got, let me see, let me pull up the James. I know they got to play Cleveland. They're getting ready to go through what the Texans have already been through, I believe. So here's their remaining schedule, the Jacksonville Jaguars. At Cleveland, host Baltimore, at Tampa, host Carolina, at Tennessee. Tampa's still fighting. They're putting up a fight. Tampa's putting up a fight. Baltimore's real. Titans are whatever. They put up a fight against the Colts. But that should be two L's these next two weeks. They should lose in, in Cleveland, and they should lose to Baltimore. So, because of the outcome of that game, had Jacksonville won last night, they were a 10-point favorite. Had Jacksonville won, they would have been the number one overall seed in the AFC. Because they take the L, that distinction, I believe, goes to the Miami Dolphins. First time it's happened for them since, like, the 80s that they've been at this juncture in the season. Number one in the AFC. I'm pulling up the live standings now. Miami sits at the one spot. They are the Ravens at two. KC at three. Jacksonville remains at the fourth spot. Some people are up in arms, Gordon, because Pittsburgh is at five. And obviously the Texans have already beaten them. So Pittsburgh five, Cleveland six, Indy seven. Texans come in at eight. So some people are all up in arms about how this thing breaks out. What this, is this, the playoff standings? This is the current playoff oh, standings. I'm not, I mean, it's still it's still so early to be looking at that. Like until Because there's so many head-to-heads still to be played out. Like, See, I don't think... They're like, Indianapolis holds a tiebreaker with the Texans. Like, yeah, great. We've played them once. Like, we've got to play them again. Correct. And here comes this game with the Cleveland Browns that you got to get ready to play in two weeks. And we've already taken care of the Steelers. Broncos immediately behind the Texans at nine, as are the Cincinnati Bengals. Point being is, the Texans have beaten everybody that's still in that six and six, seven and five space, other than they have not played Cleveland. They got to see Indianapolis again. It is not far fetched, and I can't believe I'm saying this. It is not far fetched, especially with the Trevor Lawrence injury. These Texans might just win the damn South to come back from what this roller coaster they've been on. To come back from, I thought it was over. It was two-game lead, and you just never know in the National Football League. So, I think this is going to come down to the wire. We'll see what happens. All these teams jumbled together, still got to go play well, each other. And what does this team look like without Tank Dell now? I mean, we, we can't skip over how huge that is to this team. Can I say this? And I'll tease this going into the next segment. Because I want to hear, uh, there was some James Palmer from NFL Network. I want to hear from him as well. I did go back and look at the tape as it is second take Tuesday. There are some nuggets that I pulled from watching the Broncos game again. Overarching. And maybe I'm in the minority. And I say this with all respect, all due respect. And I, I'm being serious here. Tank Dale will most certainly be missed. But I don't think, like, this thing isn't going to crater just because Tank is not there. Like, I believe in what C.J. Stroud is doing. I believe in what I've seen Bobby Slowick do in moments. I think that defense is going to give them a chance. 
I still think there are enough things over there that this should be a team that's highly competitive in the postseason. And we talked about it. The Texans going on the road, most likely, and having to play in a playoff game. There are only a couple teams in the AFC that would scare me. I think Tank Dale will certainly be missed, but I don't think it's, like, catastrophic. There will be those moments, though. That big third down that John Mechie drops or, you know, that, that deep ball connection where he couldn't link up with Mechie or, or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, those sure. will be the moments where we go, oh, Tank Dell would have had that. But as long as Noah Brown plays like he has played this season and Nico gives us some semblance of what he has been when healthy and out there playing good ball, like, I think they can circumvent that. Maybe I'm in the minority. Let's talk more about this Texans, how they forecast. We'll hear from said quarterback and of course the head coach D'Amico Ryans going up against his mentor on Sunday in Robert Sala of the New York Jets. And who the hell is going to play quarterback for the Jets? We still got to get into that as well. Getting warmed up on a Tuesday. Sports Talk 790. Next up continues now. I'm a new listener and already a huge fan. I'm a new listener. I love the show. With Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. On Sports Talk 790. What's going on to the good people of H-Town? Thank you for allowing us to maintain our status as your home for Houston sports. We should be preset number one in your automobile there. Hit us up, sports790.com. You can go back and listen to podcasts from other shows like the Sean Salisbury Show, which precedes this one. Maybe you missed the first hour of the show, first segment of this show. You can go back and listen to that as well. Aaron Wilson, Texans Insider and NFL aficionado coming up about 11.15 or so. You can go while uh, look at some blogs. Gordy and our digital team do an excellent job with the website. I'm glad they do that part. All right, we're kicking it around. And so week 13 is in the books. And we talked last night that uh, Jacksonville has opened the door. The Texans have a road to winning this division. Whether they win a division or not, Gordon, my expectation would be the Houston Texans are a playoff team. So I'm going to start looking at them and evaluating them as they should be a playoff team. The The injury to Tank Dale, and it came up again just given the nature of what Trevor Lawrence's injury was last night. We're still waiting for the official word. The report is it's a sprained ankle. All right. Tank, we know, had surgery. We heard from D'Amico, did we not? Do we have that, Connor? I'm sorry, I'm not looking at it right now. Don't we have D'Amico in the aftermath? If we don't, then I'm making that up. But I thought I heard something, uh, D'Amico speaking. Gordy, Tank has successful surgery. I saw Tank put something on social media that, um, you know, his brother's been wishing him well. He's in good spirits. There is an outside chance that depending on what type of playoff run the Texans can go on, we will see number 13 again over there running routes. I don't know how likely that is. Too soon. Do you think we will see Tankdale? And on the way out from the previous segment, the impact. What will be the actual real impact of not having the threat of Tankdale? It's going to hurt. I mean, it, 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 there's no way around it. He has been phenomenal. And as much as we want to credit C.J. Stroud with how fantastic he's been, and he's elevated this receiving core, Tankdale has been a huge part of the success. I mean, over 700 yards and seven touchdowns. He's your mm-hmm. touchdown leader. And if not for a monster game from Nico Collins this past week, I mean, Tank Dell was right up there as your as your receiving leader for a good bit of the season. So um, it, it's going to hurt. It's absolutely going to hurt. And there's nothing you can do. I mean, it's not like, you know, you can't just go pick up somebody off the scrap heap that's going to be awesome like he was. So no. you, you hope it doesn't cost him. 
We got into this on the 18 while football at 5 on Monday afternoons. I appreciate Clanton and Wex for allowing me to sit in with them for a couple segments. And I said that I thought this would be more opportunities for Brevin Jordan, John Mechie III, uh, who else am I missing? Xavier Hutchinson, perhaps, which we see them roll him out there in certain packages and certain situations. I'm going to, it's not about Tank, who's a phenomenal talent. No doubt about it. I've admitted on more than one occasion. I was wrong, Casario. You got the right guy, and he was worth trading up to go get. You were right. I was wrong. I'll take the L on that. However, in Tank's absence, color me crazy. But I just choose to believe that CJ, we've seen Noah Brown have back-to-back 150-some-odd-yard games. We saw the game, the 191 from Nico. That's the best I've probably seen Brevin Jordan ever look. Dalton Schultz has had games when he's in the lineup. We know he didn't play on Sunday. But when he's in the lineup, Dalton Schultz has moments. Devin Singletary popping back-to-back games on the ground, albeit uh, you know 150-some-odd, you know, doing those. So I guess I look at it and go, to me, I'm willing to mitigate the loss, and it will be a loss of taint. I just believe in C.J. Stroud that much. Him and Sloak, I believe they have enough there to still be highly competitive in Tank's absence. Yeah, I just, again, and I hope, you know, Xavier Hutchinson's a guy that has, uh, you know, has only had a couple catches this year, but he's a guy that they, you know, were very high on throughout training camp, and maybe he's a guy who can get his load increased as the season goes along, but... You know, Nico has established himself. He can be the guy and, and has been a one for you, and he's just about to go over a thousand yards. But, you know, it's it's just incumbent on the Robert Woodses and the Noah Browns and all that, but also to stay healthy because almost all these guys have missed a game or two or three along the They've way this year. If any of them gets banged up, then you're really in a hole because Tank Dell's really helped you, you know, fill in that gap for a lot. Now, Tank missed, didn't he miss, what did he have? He had something early on. He missed a couple games, did he not? I don't think so. I, Ah, that's right. He oh, was yeah, in the protocols. Yeah, I he remember was playing him. eleven games. So I was like, "All right." So he missed one with a concussion. Good call. I saw something on NFL Network. James Palmer, former Houstonian, uh, he was in the building. I saw him up in the press box. It was either Sunday or the week before, but he's been around here during his homestand. This is James Palmer, courtesy of NFL Network. His observation of C.J. Stroud without Tinkdale and Dalton Schultz on Sunday. Well, Tom, I think you look at this game as a microcosm of what you just said, right? He doesn't have Dalton Schultz at the tight end position, who when I talk to people in Houston, it's when things break down, that's where he goes. That's his safety blanket. He was out with a hamstring injury. We see Tank Dell, as you mentioned, goes down with a broken fibula. He's the guy that when I was talking on the sideline pregame, they were like, he's almost looking to tank too much. That's where his eyes are going. He doesn't have either one of those guys. And what happens? He goes to Nico Collins nine times for 191 yards, continues to push the football ball downfield it's not phasing him at all that he's going against the defense that is red hot in terms of turning the football over 15 turnovers it's in the last five games they've forced and it didn't phase him at all so when i had a long conversation with case keenan who spends a lot of time with cj stroud and has helped with his development he said he is just when the bullets start flying he takes it up a whole nother level and the other aspect of it is tom he sees everything that's what case keenan told me when the first two drives finished he came Came back to the sideline telling the coaching staff this is what they're in this is what i'm seeing this is what i want to do and that's where you saw a lot of these explosive plays continue after those early drives so what stroud has been able to do in terms of staying aggressive even though he now has lost these two targets it hasn't phased him at all and it goes exactly with what you're saying 
James Palmer, NFL Network. Gordy, a couple things stood out for me on that comment. Number one, I've been on this, and I think I've been an, on an island on this, mostly from a station standpoint. There are times C.J. Stroud gets in trouble by locking on Tank Dale. He predetermines that he's going to go to Tank, and I get it. That's his mans in the same draft class, and they bonded even before they became teammates here in Houston and all of that. This could actually be, I don't want to say to the benefit, I don't want to say that. The silver lining here could be, this now forces CJ to be more judicious with the football as opposed to locking in. So I choose to look at it that way because James Palmer just said he's heard that there are those within the team that like, are you locking on the tank too much? The second thing is, well, I see you making a face. How you feel about what hearing James Palmer say that? Well, I mean, I don't think it was a problem. Like, I mean, when when was it a problem that he was too locked in on Tank Dell? When he was throwing interceptions to Cincinnati DB that almost ran it back for a game. Okay, when he scored. one game. I mean, no, one but it happened the next week, too. But I just, like, more often than not, when he threw the ball Tank Dell, Tank Dell was open and making plays. So, I just, I don't... You don't I think don't there's anything that. to guys, like, stifling your growth, like... Guys being locked on to wanting to throw the ball to that dude no, all the time because I didn't see it. I mean, it wasn't like it was it like like this past week. You could argue he was too locked in on Nico Collins. What was it? Twelve targets to Nico and yeah, like, like barely any for anybody else. I mean, that's that that's an example of it. Uh, but again, Nico was making the play, so I, I think that's a little overblown. I think we're going to see the opposite. I think we're going to see without Tank Dell in there, he's going to you know. There's going to be misconnections more because of no. I don't see it. I just don't. I've seen snap. I'm not saying like huge. I'm just saying like maybe maybe CJ's completion percentage dips a little bit because there's more incomplete passes to the the Noah Browns. See, I think the, it's the other way. I think his completion percentage will go up because he's not forced to take the high percentage incompletion. Right, he's not throwing the ball as deep downfield. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Nico Collins obviously ate off, you know, what they would consider explosive plays and, and yards. You know, what a catches over twenty plus yards. How did he have? What was Nico? So Nico had his long on Sunday. His longest reception was fifty nine yards. I still look at that and go, Nico nine for one ninety one. I mean, he was open, open, Gordy. Now some of those. Stroud was throwing his op- throwing him open. I really, going back, looking at the tape again, I don't know if you've had a chance to see the tape again, CJ's footwork has been excellent. Now, the offensive line, I've seen them have better days. But CJ's footwork and his posture when he's letting the football go, let's cue up the uh, Dan Orlovsky. Let me hear that Dan Orlovsky's going to comment on that. I'll go to the phones, Connor, and then I'll come back and we'll hear the Dan, unless we got Dan ready to go. All right, let me hear Dan Orlovsky right here on CJ's performance. And I don't want to minimize the Tank Dell loss is a loss, but I do think perimeter players are good enough. And I think that because of who CJ Stroud is and some of the skill sets we've seen. So just think about like how good he operates play action. 12 personnel, one back, two to ends. This is the bottom screen. It's a go route, okay? Now the defense for Denver is playing quarters. Each defensive back has a quarter of the field in zone coverage. Now CJ's got to make the fake and find that backside safety right on the left side of your screen. See how he's facing the field like his back turned to us? That means essentially he has the go route one-on-one at the bottom of the screen. He takes his own, and because of the way the safety plays, it turns into man. I love the hitch with the balance in the pocket. Beautiful ball downfield. And we talk about this operational space pocket poise. He goes to set. Watch how his left foot moves. His right foot doesn't. Yeah, and Olaski continues to to, uh, pontificate just CJ's presence in the pocket, his footwork in the pocket. His eyes have been really good. 
I'm continuously seeing C.J. Stroud, the development at the position. I'm no quarterback guru, Gordon. Used to try and tackle him a time or two in my day. But I see a guy that the fundamentals, the footwork, all of the things you want, that's what makes guys great. I think about a Joe Burrow, right? Like, can you manipulate the pocket? And although you may not be physically, I'm making up somebody, Lamar Jackson, can you stand in there, navigate the pocket, and push the ball, good decision-making, with velocity, throwing guys open, allowing guys to run after the catch? CJ's doing all of that for me. I think they'll be okay without Tank. And I hate saying that because not anything about Tank. I just It's more about CJ and what I believe. Sounds like Olaski's in my camp. Let's step aside. Let's come back. More Texas conversation. I want to hear from the head coach. Al on the south side. Wood on the south side. You two will be next up on the other side. Legendary Sports Talk 790. Stat Fleet and Chris Gordy. This is Next Up on Sports Talk 790. He's been tough for us, man. Tough blocking in the run game. Uh, just everybody knows, sees the explosives that he's had in the passing game. But just unselfish player that did uh, did a ton for our, our offensive uh, our offensive production. Right, so uh, just still unfortunate. Hate to lose him, and just really, you know, sad to see him. He's having such a great year. Right, one of the best years you've seen from a rookie at the receiver position. So just unfortunate to lose him. D'Amico Ryan's a health status update and an observation of what the production has been from Tank Dale, and most certainly Tank will be missed moving forward. I choose to believe in C.J. Stroud, Bobby Sloyd, uh, D'Amico Ryans. I believe they will be able to overcome this based on what C.J. has shown us. I expect more touches for guys like Brevin Jordan, John Metchie III, Xavier Hutchison, along with Nico Collins, who continues to play like a one, Noah Brown, Get you know, Noah wants his money too. They'll get Dalton Schultz back at some point. We know how that connection has gone. They had about what four or five game stretch right there where Schultz and CJ uh they were locked in. So we heard from D'Amico there, the loss of Tank Dale. I have asked you, Houston, where are you guys at? Will they be okay? How crippling would the loss of Tank Dale ultimately be as we're watching the full letter network now and Stephen A and the crew? Uh, the question they're asking on the screen is. Can C.J. Stroud lead the Texans to the AFC South title? Let's go to the phone lines and ask the people, shall we? Uh, if I can get my, here we go. I got my technology working. Al on the south side, what up? Yeah, let me uh, chime in on this, uh, my boys. Stan, you was doing pretty good till you start swaying. I don't know if Gordy had influence on you talking about locked in. Uh, you don't get, let me say this here. I, I agree with you on the tank deal. You know we love Tank. That's our guy. Thanks. Come on, man. We can't not. We cannot not say we won't miss him. Big. Let's get that out the way first. Second of all, you have to understand the magnitude of your quarterback. Next guy up. I don't care who it is. Brevin Jordan showed flashes last game. He that dude. And then the West Coast offense that we run, big receivers. You know they got to be able to block big and get down the field. And C.J. Stroud will make a job a lot easier for a receiver. But at the end of the day, when you got Nico Collins, y'all wasn't even aware he was nine top uh, uh, receiver yesterday when I called, and he top five with stats in the AFC today. Mm -hmm. When you got big guys like that and C.J. Stroud, man, the magnitude that this guy playing, you don't lock in one receiver on a team and have only five picks. He's only got five. 
When you do that there, you got 11 and 12 at week 12 when you didn't play 12 games. The man that played 12 games. So I say this at the end of the day. With C.J. Stroud and with the depth we got back there, and you can use Singletary in the run game, and you can use him in the pass game as well as Damon Pierce. If Bobby Schroer really want to use, he can use a couple of running backs in the passing game, and I listen to you take it. Appreciate it. And that's really what the West Coast offense is going to do. That's why all those backs that play for the Shanahan's over the years, they all have the ability to catch the ball, make somebody miss, and, and get moving. I'll hold that thought there. I'm just looking. You got something before we go to Wood? No, let's hear what Wood's going to say. Wood also on the south side. What up? Okay, let me tell you about this report that you were just talking about. Right now, see what happened with CJ. He had better chemistry with Tank Dale because he can depend on Tank Dale when he go deep. Tank can go up, get the ball, come down, make the play without the ball popping out. A lot of times when you throw the ball to Lego Collins, when they go up in there and come down, Woods, they go up in there and come down, there are times the ball pop out. Tank was more dependable. He was more, he was coming more that number one receiver that we could depend on. He was the juice in the glass that made everything taste good with the Texans. He kept that team and that receiving core viable in the NFL to a point where every team had to respect all the receivers because of Tank Dale's capability of opening up that field. Now, the problem that we will have going forward is one of the problems we won't have is that some of these teams we're going to play, we should be able to beat them without Tank Dale. But one of the problems we're going to have going against Cleveland, that defensive line, the quarterback is going to have to get that ball out of his hands a lot faster. The last two games, he's been taking too many licks because that offensive line been just letting the floodgates open up and our quarterback has been getting tattooed. And he has to understand in the two-minute drill, you have to get the ball out of your hand. You cannot take a sack. They need to coach him up during that point and let him know during that two-minute drill, it is important to get the ball out of your hand very quick. The clock is not your friend. We were letting too much time run out that clock. We were taking sacks, and the running backs got to pick up the blitz. I mean, man, somebody got to stop these people <laughs> and help the quarterback out a little bit. Wood on the south side is a little perturbed. Can I say that, though, Gordon, and I'll come to uh, Joe on the west side, and then I'll get Joe in the Galleria. This protection thing, CJ, and we brought this up on the A-team yesterday afternoon. CJ's been starting to get hit a lot now. Now, this is going to be a long season. And so I am starting to, I'm not going to overreact, but I am going to react. We got to, yeah, ball come out. Let's be decisive with the football. Let's, you know, not necessarily be premeditated, but let's understand the sense of urgency. Larry Tunzel, the rest of the guys, I need y'all to do what y'all do up front. I have not pulled a pro football focus grades from the offensive line. I typically had that. I'll get it during one of the breaks. How do you think this offensive line has played here recently? And do you think that CJ taking some shots moving forward is a potential issue? Yeah, I mean it's been an issue. We we knew losing Titus Howard was gonna was gonna hurt. So, you know, on top of that, Tunsil's not been as dominant the last couple weeks. Is Tunsil gonna be all pro this year? Mm. I don't know. Probably I don't not. I don't know that he's having an all pro year. Might make a pro bowl. Melo, one of the quarterbacks playing well. Offensive line gets a lot of credit. It's true, you know. So, but with the uh, also with the Texans' inability to run the ball consistently, I wonder if the Pro Football Writers of America if they will hold that against Tonzo. Like, 
wait a minute, CJ's getting hit and you aren't running the ball the way that they are in Probably. some other franchises. Yeah. Problem. So we know LT's one of the best in the game. It's no disrespect to him. It's just it's okay to say he's not playing this year the way we're accustomed to seeing him play in both the pass and or the run game. So it's just something that, that popped into my head as we were thinking about uh, the offensive line moving forward and, and CJ taking these shots. Westside Joe, friend of the station, friend of the show, what up? What up, man? Hey, first of all, let me stop laughing at you, Stan, with a person that speaks as, as fast as 5G. Man, you over there talking about some tapes, man. I thought tapes was back when we was playing, man. You talking about I review the tape and you constantly say I review the tape. But now, nah, let me get to my point, man. <laughs> hey, man, yeah, listen. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, okay, check this out, man. Uh, I think the adjustment with the offensive line has to come because they just shuffle around, shuffle around people so much on the line. I think you, you guys both have a point on how CJ targeted Tank Dell and locked in on Tank Dell. And I think I called last week and I was like, it looks better when he spreads the ball around. But again, just locking in, we always know that, okay, CJ's going to go towards the big play and Tank Dell's going to make the big play. So I think you guys both have a, 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 a like like a point there, man. He, he he does lock in, but then initially when he first came in the league, man, he was spreading that boy around a little bit more. So Tank Dale not being here, man, I think we'll be okay. That gives other other opportunity for other guys to get out there and do their thing, and also remove the fact that he is not going to be able to lock in necessarily on Tank Dell. So let's see where the plays I like, see if he become a better passer and in this situation. I ain't gonna listen. Y'all go ahead. I appreciate it, Westside Joe. Yeah, if you're just tuning into the show, um obviously Tank Dell will be missed. I think Gordy is and I don't want to speak for you just helping the people get caught up to speed before we go to break. Joe in the gallery, I'll take you on the other side. It sounds like I'm a little less concerned that you are about Tank's absence, although I am acknowledging that will certainly be missed. You want a weapon like that at your disposal if you can have it to deploy him in the various ways and we know what Tank can do. I just choose to look at CJ and the distribution that is available for him if he will utilize it, him and Slow figuring it out. So I'm less concerned, I think, than you are, but we both understand the value. It sounds like you're more so saying this is going to be a problem. Yeah, because this is this is already a receiving core playing above their heads this year. But the one saving grace was Tank Dell was not playing like a rookie. You know, Robert Woods. You know, on the last years of his career, Noah Brown. We'll see what you know. This is one of his more productive years after a couple of decent years in in Dallas. But um, you know, what is John Mechie? See, you know, he's had a couple grabs here and there, but is he ready to take that next step? It's just it, the the writing's on the wall here. They're going to. They're going to miss Tank Dell. It's not to say they can't still be productive in games, mm. but they will miss him. On the other side, we'll hear from you. Joe in the Galleria, anybody else wants to get in on this Texans conversation? Texans currently just outside the playoffs in the AFC. Trevor Lawrence goes down in the Monday night football game last night. Just a one-game lead does Jacksonville have over the Indianapolis Colts as well as the Houston Texans. Both Colts and Texans tied at 7-5. and five. We'll hear from Aaron Wilson, our Texans insider, coming up about 11.15 or so. Step aside, come back, join the Galleria, 713-212-5790. Stadnor Fleet and Chris Gordy. This is Next Up on Sports Talk 790. 
Welcome back in the next up, wrapping up hour one, kicking off the second half in the 11 o'clock hour. Coming up here in just a little bit, we'll get you to Matt Thomas and Ross Virial coming up at noon. I'm at Stan Sportsman. He is at Chris Gordy. Of course, we are at Sports Talk 790 on all your social media outlets. Thank you so much for your follow and trusting us with two hours of your time. We go out to the phone lines now. Appreciate Joe holding tight, talking some Texans. And Joe in the Galleria, go ahead with your call, bro. Yes, sir. You and Lordy have the best sports show in Houston. Period. Oh, God bless uh, you. Appreciate just want to say, just want to say something. I'm not worried. We'll, we'll be at least a wild card and maybe even the division winner. But for right now, uh, help me understand something. Pittsburgh is the first wild card at seven five. We're number four, looking at looking in. We beat Pittsburgh. Yes. So why why are they ahead of us? All right. So here's the description, and I'll try and simplify it as best I can. Pittsburgh wins the tiebreaker over Indianapolis based on percentage win in common games. So they've got some opponents, common games, so they get in from that standpoint. Uh, the division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Cleveland. Got you. Pittsburgh wins the tiebreak of Cleveland based on best win percentage in division games. Last line. So that's how they ev- uh, eliminated Houston as well. So the, yeah, because the Texans aren't the Texans lose the head to head to the Colts, so they're behind them. Correct. No that what. makes sense within so the division. So the Colts go head to head with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh head to head. But you got understand- but you're behind the Colts, so you're not even in the running with Pittsburgh. Correct. So Pittsburgh, oh, even though the record oh. is the same, 75, then you also got to remember Pittsburgh gets the edge over Cleveland because of the common opponent. So they beat them. That's a situation that the Texans could find themselves in when we get late in this thing, the Colts, as well as, to some degree, Jacksonville. So you start getting in yeah. some of that. So that's it. Right now, I would just say we don't need to be worried about that. Texans just got to go no, win their we're games. Go, we're going to be there anyway. Okay, guys. Thank you a lot. Appreciate Bye. it, Joe and the Galleria. What if this is one of those stupid years where, I hate to even bring it up, but like we've had years where teams won like 10 games and missed it because the mm. team in their division and, the, you yeah. know, it's like, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, stupid Colts. So, You're not even good, Colts. What are you doing? I think the Texans are in a good spot. They've already beaten Pittsburgh. They just beat Denver. They've beaten Cincinnati. If they split with the Colts, they've already have the Texans split with Jacksonville. So it's like they've done just about as good as you can do other than winning the division. So I think they'll be all right. Now, this Tennessee thing, you got to sweep them fools. Can't be losing a game to Tennessee. And the way the Texans could win the division – We need Jacksonville to get tripped up one more time. Because if Jacksonville and the Texans end up with the same division record and they split, the tiebreaker then goes to common opponent. And the Texans would have the advantage, which makes that game last night so big. The Jags lose the Cincinnati team that the Texans have already beaten. So that's the scenario, dream scenario, if you will. Uh, Speaking of Texans, I saw this came down this morning. Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees have gone in from all the teams around the league. And for the Houston Texans, the 2023 Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee is snapper John Weeks, number 46 for the home team. I love the jersey number. I don't know much about John Weeks. You ever been around John Weeks? Oh, what yeah. do we know yeah, about he's him? A good dude. He's, a, is he's a 790 listener. I well, appreciate him doing been that. Around, been around forever. Congratulations to you, John Weeks. 
what was his first year with the Texans? I mean, he's no, no, I haven't looked it up. It's funny. He's always up for uh, like every time he hits free agency, it's like it always comes out like Texans have re-signed John Weeks. Yeah, veteran minimum every time. Two thousand eight. No, he's he's up there now. I mean, he's he's making a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, I think by this point. I never forget. I was uh, where was I at? Oh, he lives here. Shout out to my man Ed Perry out there. Uh, I was going to say the community that he's in. He probably wouldn't want me to do that. But Ed Perry, former NFL, retired. I think he did like 15 years in the league. Long snapping. Uh, most notably with the Miami Dolphins. So we met years ago here in the city. And we were just sitting around the pool talking one time at his palatial estate. And he was like, bro, I tell young guys all the time. You can get more money taking the veteran minimum and playing in the league 13, 15, 16 years that you can be in a flash in the pan linebacker or a corner or something like that. It's like, of course, you want you want to be as best you can at whatever position. But if the door opens and you can play special teams, just do that. Who's my man in uh, New England that's still there? Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater probably has made, Matthew Slater might have made $100 million. Maybe not that much. But not Matthew Slater's probably made good money just doing... John Weeks back in 2012 signed a four-year, $3.9 million contract then. So, yeah, I mean, he's just, he keeps he keeps re-signing. So, tw- April 2010 is when he signed with the Texans. He uh, set the streak for uh, most consecutive games played with the Texans. He set the uh, record for most career games played with the Texans. He, he hit 200 back in uh, 2022. So, yeah, he's just, he just keeps coming back. And he's really good. Does his job. Well, it'd be cool if the Texans could have a, a Walter Payton man in the year. Didn't D'Amico win that? Did D'Amico win it back then? I'm going off the top of my head. I could be completely making bleep up. All right, nonetheless. All right, let's step aside. Let's kick off our second hour of the show, final hour of the show, here on a Tuesday, live from the Sports Talk 790 Studios, Nelson in between Uptown Park and River Oaks. Now, what's next? Next up! It's the next man up. Next up, take the next step. Next up. Next up, next. Up next. Next up. This team wants to be next. This is Next Up with Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. Let's see. What's next? Next. Next. next? And just like that, off and running, 11 o'clock hour is upon us. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us, Stan Norfleet. He is Chris Gordy. Connor D. McGovern sitting in the production and programming chair. Thank you again for hanging out with us, allowing us to maintain our status as your home for Houston sports, whether you got us on in the automobile there or you courtesy of the free iHeartRadio app. Again, we thank you. We'll pause on the Texans and NFL talk for now. We'll have Aaron Wilson, our Texans insider, coming up about 15 minutes. Let's pivot and go to Nashville, however, Chris Gordy. Where out of the blue yesterday, I'm looking at Twitter or X.com, whatever y'all want to call it, and I see Dana Brown, general manager, general manager of the Astros, pop up as well as uh, Joe Espada, the newly appointed skipper over there at Minute Maid Park. They popped up from the winter meetings in Nashville. And the topic in the headline is, well, let's just hear from Dana Brown. Dana, tell us something about this third base situation. Yeah, as I said before, you know, Alex Bregman, I mean, he's had a great career here. We're not interested in trading him. I think Alex knows that and understands it based on our conversations. And so I'm not worried one bit about, you know, the articles and the rumors, and I'm not sure where it's coming from. But at the end of the day, Alex is a pillar here. I mean, you can't replace that type of defense and that type of bat, you know, so we're not interested in that. We're, we're trying to win here. 
Astros general manager Dana Brown. Gentlemen, Alex Bregman will don an Astros jersey in 2023. However, 2024 remains to be seen. This is why GMs make a lot of money because you you have to make you have to make tough decisions. You have to make smart decisions, and it's uh, it becomes tough. Like uh, I just saw somebody tweet. They said we can't call Jim Crane cheap because he's got a two hundred seven million dollar payroll. But it's you know it's it's a tough choice on letting homegrown guys who mean so much to your team walk in for agency. But understand, it takes two to tango. It's on the other side too. If the if you know, and these guys, when they go out and hire Scott Boris, it's almost like a death knell because it's like, look, we'd love to go to the table and figure out something that works for both sides. But Boris is Boris is a heat-seeking missile. He's looking for the biggest deal no matter where it is. You, he'll send his clients to go play in Tokyo if it will pay them the most money. So it's like, it, it's just, it's a, it's a tough song and dance. So, but I understand what Dana's saying, and I've said it all along. There's nothing you would get back in a trade of a one-year rental for Alex Bregman for the money he's making this year. It's not like he's on a on a rookie expiring deal where he's like two million dollars and that's it. It's twenty-four million, I believe. Like it's a lot of money to take on for a player who's been good. Uh, his numbers have dipped a little bit these last couple of years. The average hasn't been up there, but um, the Alex Bregman on this team this year is worth more than anything you would get in a trade. Now, if he walks it for agency, that's that's the decision for his agent and him to make. But but. that's where you and I differ philosophically. And and because I'm not in the meetings, I don't know where they currently stand from a contractual conversation. If Alex Bregman and, to your point, um, if uh, not Drew Rosenhaus, who's the agent? Uh, Scott Boris. If Scott Boris and Alex Bregman have already told Dana Brown, this is the number. And if Dana already knows he, him and Jim Crane, more so Jim Crane, is not paying it, I don't want to lose Alex Bregman for nothing. But here's the problem is Boris, the way he operates, he doesn't say here's the number. He says we're going to go to free agency and let the market dictate. And he'll let the Red Sox come in and offer a 10-year, 10-year, $3 million dollar deal, $300 million deal, and then go, okay, would you like to match? And the answer is going to go, no, that's, not, that's so, not feasible for our organization. To avoid that... It would be incumbent on Dana if the numbers make sense for them and whatever those numbers are, either lock him up now or be prepared to lose him. Now, Dana's got to be prepared to lose him for nothing. And that, that scares me. Are. Well, but that scares me. I, I don't love that. But it's baseball. It's it's this window you're in. You, you're, you're, you're still loaded for this coming season. The hope would be... You can win another World Series this year. Part of the general manager's responsibility is looking at the short term, but also having your coffers stocked for the long term. I do agree with Dana Brown, just based on what I saw this year. Alex Bregman has been playing more games. He's been healthier lately. And I feel better defensively with Bregman over there on that hot corner. At the plate, he was up and down. He started slow. He kind of you know, had moments where he heated up a little bit. But I still think there's something there, something there that would be a value to another contender. Maybe in the National League, you send him over there. Don't know. But it's just one of those that, and it really doesn't matter at this point because Dana Brown has already said we're not trading him. So yeah. he called him a he's pillar. $30.5 is what he's making this year. I, I just don't know anybody who would be willing to take that on with also the understanding that you're going to have to f- get a long-term huge contract done with him to keep him. Uh, the good news is, at least from a Houston standpoint, it doesn't fi- sound like we will find out in 2023. 
All right, Dana Brown, you got a list of some things you're trying to get done, but what does that list consist of? Dana Brown 2 coming your way. We're in the full, full swing of things. You know, uh, the meetings are taking place all throughout the day. And, you know, we've been here just for 24 hours, but I feel like things are heating up and, you know, we're having a lot of meetings and, you know, our guys are excited about trying to find that backup catcher and some bullpen help. All right. Dana Brown said much about nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, we're having conversations. He's not getting specific. I mean, we know that relief is going to be an area. We know some folks are, are, you know, packing up, going some other places. You concerned about this relief market? Well, it, he said, quote, I'm not interested in overpaying in the relief market. Mm -hmm. So he's he has set the tone that, look, we love Hector Neris. We love Ryan Stanek. We love Phil Maton. We love those guys. But we learned our lesson with Rafael Montero last year. It was a bad deal. And Dana Brown's like, I didn't even do that deal. But I ain't doing another one of those. I'll be damned if we're doing one of those. So, you know, they're, they're going to be smart about it. And look, big spoiler here, relief pitchers can be found. I mean, they just they just can now, closers are hard. Setup men, you know, you, the guys you rely on in, in 7, 8, 9, mm -hmm. well, the kind of have some of those guys already. Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley. So, really what you're looking for is just mid-level. You know, can I find a reliever to eat up a bunch of innings and have an ERA around 4, 350? Those guys can be found. You don't have to overpay for those guys. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I think I think it's smart to kind of to wait this thing out. Look, you love Hector Neris, but... The thought is, you know, there was like the Cubs are hot on them. Okay, fine. They want anybody wants to pay him a ton of money, you let them do it. But uh, I like his quote. Would you say you're close on anything? I would say that the talks are heating up, but I'm not sure I would say close. Close means you're exchanging medicals and all this stuff. We're just we're having discussions. Preliminary yeah. conversations happen as it pertains to the relief market. Also, we hear from Joe Espada. Congratulations to him. We talked last week. He got his staff finalized. Looking at Joe Espada right here. Joe, how's it been since you've been on the job? Let me hear this Joe Espada one, please. It's been a busy last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, I, you know, called some players, uh, had an opportunity to, you know, have lunch and dinner with some of our players. Really wanted to connect. We didn't want to make sure that uh, we're all on the same page. Um, reach out to the coaches. We've met, kind of go over our spring training goals, kind of our plans. So, uh Everything has been, it's been, you know, uh, it's been great. The players are excited. I'm excited. Um, can't wait to get down to spring training and, and get to work. Joe Espada would continue live from the winter meetings in Nashville. Uh, let's give me this Espada 10. What's going on with this starting rotation since we're talking about guys on the mound, Gordy? I feel really good about those guys. Um, you know, having JV, Valdez, you know, all those guys. Uh, or Kitties, I feel really good about our rotation, and just having you know McCullers, who I see a lot when I go to uh, go to the, the clubhouse, like seeing his progress, seeing Garcia's progress, I feel really good about you know hopefully you know adding them at the you know at some point during the season will be will be awesome if we could get him at uh, some point when we get him back. We believe in that McCullers Jr. and Urquidy and Garcia. Will everybody be healthy? Yeah, the the rumor is, or the word is Garcia will be ready at some point, you know, towards the front of the season. So maybe like a, a few weeks into the season, you'll get Luis Garcia back. And then uh, McCullers sometime, I think what they're saying, around in July. So probably around the All-Star break. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned it seemed throughout the postseason, he's in the best shape of his life. I mean, he is he is jacked. He has been working out. He's been doing everything Who's he about can. McCullers? McCullers, yeah. yeah. He's been out there uh, shopping coffee and drinks. 
Every it's time well, I see him somewhere, well, he's got to have the, the side. He's out hawking products. But this is where hanging on to some of those arms that you did a year ago is going to come into play. I mean, having a, a JP France who could come in and and give you some starts. Um, you know, I think this all that's going to be big on the front end of the season. We hope that Fromber and Javier get back to being what they what they're typically are. And you got to be look. If we're being real talk, we got to be smart with Justin Verlander's workload. Justin Verlander's yep. a bulldog, and he's going to want to go out, out there every five days and give you seven innings. Mm -hmm. But we got to, you know, this is where a spot has to be tough guy with JV a little bit this year. Look, bro, um, you know, love you, but we're going to have to skip a start here. And there. We got to start taking care of your body. You are, what, 40, over 40 now? I mean, yeah. We got to start taking care of your body and be smart about this because we need you at full go September, October. That part. Not so much April and May. So I saw over the weekend, speaking of guys uh, that tossed the ball, Dana Brown said the Astros will get a fourth-year option on, I can't say, oh, I can't believe God. I'm saying this name. Forrest Whitley. Is this the year, it's, Gordon? It's holiday season. Forrest so, Whitley. So the ghost of Christmas past keeps coming <laughs> up. I mean, look, I hope for the kid. This would be, we said it last year. He he was saying he was getting called up last year. He was an urban was, legend. The moment was, I got here, everybody was telling me about Forrest but, Whitley. But remember, he was pitching well, and he was ready to go, and the call-up was coming, and then he has the setback. And it's like, my God, dude, like every single time. Isn't but, he like the oldest minor leaguer in the history of the Astros organization? He's getting he might there. be 40 years old, too. There Forrest is, Whitley and Justin Berlander might be the same age, man. He's 26. He's 46. There, there is, uh, there's nobody easier to root for. Like, Look, if he gets up here at some point and we see him, that would be awesome. I hope he gets to spring training and he's kicking butt. It would be, it would be a, an awesome story. But... Uh, uh, one other thing, did you mention a spot on the everyday center fielder? I was going to get to that. You can say it, but I also want to hear him because it involves one of my guys. But you go ahead. Well, let's let's hear Joe's spot on the uh, the center fielder, Connor. Let me get that a spot eleven. I believe Dubon is a part of this one. Yeah. What you're talking about? Dubon's good when he is that Swiss Army player that we that we got that we got right. That he could spare somebody in second base, can play some short, third, go to center. So. That is extremely valuable when we have a player like that. But yeah, but Dewey is that one that one guy can go and get a starting center field will give you plus defense with some quality at bats. All right, so that wasn't the center field piece. I believe a spotter would later say, Yeah, I know that Doobie can play some center field for us, but we like we'll figure out That's between Jake Myers and Chaz. He's better in that super utility spot. Um and so they're gonna roll with Chaz and Jake Myers in center again and uh, it would be great if one of those guys steps forward and says, I am that dude. you got to play me every day. Chaz has already told us this. <laughs> Chaz should be the center fielder. I can't believe we got to go through another season. How do you do in the postseason? Uh, Jeremy Pena, who uh, a spotter was asked about Jeremy Pena. Uh, and uh, what did he say? Jeremy Pena, I still believe in his bat. I need to see that guy. Yeah, he hadn't played like that other dude. And I said that throughout the course of the entire season. All right, so just a couple nuggets coming from Nashville to winter meetings for Major League Baseball as it pertains to our Houston Astros. Bottom line is Alex Bregman will be in orange and blue for 2023, and we'll see what happens in 2024. Let's go over to NRG. Aaron Wilson, Texans insider for us here on Sports Talk 790. Coming up, we'll see what D'Amico and CJ had to say about Week 13 and looking forward to Week 14. This is Sports Talk 790. Next up continues. On your Apple TV, listen to Sports Talk 790 on any device with our free iHeartRadio app. Hey, 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 hey. Sports Talk 
790, Stan Fleet, Chris Gordy, Connor D. McGovern hanging out for another 40 minutes or so. Finishing up conversation on the Astros winter meetings taking place in Nashville. We pivot. Let's go over here off Kirby to a man that is plugged in. Brother always looking good in the press box. Aaron Wilson, our Texans insider here at Sports Talk 790. Mr. Wilson, good morning to you. I know it's an off day for the team, never an off day for you. You were, however, over there talking to D'Amico, CJ, and the guys yesterday. I imagine, without burying the lead, most guys are bummed about Tank Dale. I ask you, will they be able to overcome the absence of a Tank Dale? I think D'Amico Ryan said it quite well on Sunday. There is no replacing Tank Dale because he's his own man. There's no one quite like Tank. He's a unique, rare talent, very dynamic. Think about what he does in the return game. His ability to play inside or outside as a wide receiver. The Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Timing, which is very hard to get, and spent so many days and hours throwing sessions with C.J. Stroud. No, I don't think you can just say, oh, well, some other... Someone might have numbers, but it's not the same kind of play, if that makes sense. So do I think that Noah Brown, Robert Woods, and other guys can pick up the slack or Dalton Schultz? You just have to do it differently. And I think it means what you saw on Sunday, which is a lot of Nico Collins. He had all the targets, 12 and the nine catches, 191 yards. So what do you do? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Begs the next question. Once they start double teaming him, which they will, probably starting, you know, very soon or putting their best corner on him again. I think someone has to step up. In Brown, it was his first game back from the knee contusion. He was playing great football before that. He's got to get back to that, recapture that form. If that happens, Chris, then, yeah, the passing game should be okay. I like the way he incorporated Brevin Jordan. Brevin played with some juice. He, he looked good out there. When you have Dalton back, they probably still have enough weapons. But I think what's taken away is that special quality. And it's just something like you either have it or you don't. And Tank Dell has it. And now the Texans don't until next year. And speedy recovery to Tank, uh, you know, so it's all, it's a business, but it's also a people business. And he is, as you guys know, a great young man and great in the community and really represents the University of Houston and his family quite well. So, yeah, just want to wish him well and uh, on a personal level. He's been so Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Giving of his time with all of us local reporters and gotten to know him and uh went to you know some of his private workouts that he's had and yeah i'm just i'm sad for him it's a it's a big loss you can't really underrate how great a loss this is to the texans and to me he is the heart of the team uh just in terms of intangibles too so aaron the old football mantra next man up the question becomes who who replaces that production? Obviously, Nico Collins did a hell of a job this past week uh, as he continues to establish himself as a, a number one receiver in this league and having a fantastic year. But um, you know, how much does this open the door for maybe more playing time for guys like uh, uh, John Mechie and Brevin George, Xavier, you know Hutchinson? Hutchinson yeah. I mean, there's there's other guys they have on the roster, but uh, who fills that void in your opinion? I think the primary guy will be Noah Brown. And I think that he's their best candidate to really put up numbers. His numbers in some weeks were better than Tanks. It's just you know, he's a different style of receiver. He's one of their fastest receivers. He's one of the biggest receivers. But it's just it's different from Tank. They did make a wide receiver move last night and reported it today. Davion Davis, who's a former Sam Houston State guy that's been here before, had one catch for 17 yards. Against the Seahawks and broke his ankle. He's also played for Arizona Cardinals this year and in the USFL with the Birmingham Stallions. Played very well in that league, and he is going to the practice squad. We'll see. Do they up Steven Sims? I think that's a possibility, a viable possibility. It has not happened as of yet. To that doesn't replace Tank. So you know, John Mechie the third, I think will likely benefit with more touches, more throws. And his timing was just off. I was told last week that they had some plays in that game plan for him. The sort of intermediate to deep throw that they tried, that was one of those plays. So I'm sure they will try again because Mechie has some talent. And I I think if they can get Mechie going, and he is, again, different style than Tank. Uh, I just think Tank is, is very, very unique. But I look at Mechie as someone. I mean, Hutchinson wasn't even active last game. Mm-hmm. So I would think they'd be more giving Mechie another try. You, you, that's just my opinion. Sure. Uh, the great Aaron Wilson, he's uh NFL and Texans insider for us here at Sports Talk 790, joining us here on Next Up, Stay in Fleet. That's Gordy. Dalton Schultz's absence. Uh, we know we, we saw Brevin, and clearly Brevin, you know, we know his physical traits and profile since he's been here in Houston. Do you think we will see Schultz again? Will we see more 12 personnel and have both Brevin and Schultz out there together? And again, this is all in reaction to Tank Dale being done for the year, we believe. He's definitely out for the year. Uh, he could not play football again, and they will play someone under reserve. But yeah, they uh, when he when you have to have surgery, I know some of the others had said about, well, what about the 6-8? That's when it's a normal fibula break like Jared Patterson's but Jared still I mean it's been a while and he there's no way he could play football yet 
I, when they say six to eight, that's like that normal level of activity, like for a civilian, maybe you're on the treadmill, maybe you're doing things like that. But playing football, no, it, it's it's usually a season-ending deal, and it was for him. And I think he'll be back for the off-season program. He'll have a good outcome. I heard, heard the surgery went great, but yeah, unfortunately, out for the year. With Dalton, we don't know yet if he's going to be able to practice tomorrow, if this hamstring is going to be a one week or two week deal usually it's two weeks and so we'll see if he can get back out there so it wouldn't surprise me if it was just brevin jordan again and that's not a bad thing he's just he's not dalton but brevin is pretty good too hmm Gordon, aaron it's uh it was interesting watching that game last night i mean uh, look I, I watched that uh was rooting for the the titans against the colts on sunday and they couldn't pull it out and gardner Minshew just keeps getting it done but last night the injury to Trevor Lawrence, you know, we still don't know the severity of it, but looks like he's going to at least miss a little time. Uh, how much does this open the window for the Texans? And, I mean, look, we, we kept saying the way they were playing, this is a winnable division, but, man, it's it, it, these teams keep winning. It just feels like AFC South is is becoming actually one of the stronger uh, divisions when I think everybody kind of thought this was going to be a down division. Right. I, I actually think the final game against the Colts that it could be for the division or for the wild card. I think that it's going to come down to the last week of the season. Texans have a chance to catch the Jaguars. They really could. Mm -hmm. You look at the Jaguars schedule, you look at the Texans schedule. Um, not that any week you can say that, oh, well, that's a guaranteed W. I even think Cleveland won't be that easy a game. Uh, if Joe Flacco continues to knock off the rust and, and play the way he, he did once a long time ago when I was covering him when he was a, uh, the Ravens Super Bowl winner. Uh, so it's very ironic. I, I was talking with some friends in Baltimore just that in a couple weeks cover a Flacco game. <laughs> but he's 38 years old and still got a little, little bit of an arm. Uh, I look at the Texans, and I think they they could run the table. That wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I think they're that good. But odds are you know, there'll be a L or, or two within that at some point, just maybe some weeks where they're not on their game. Because, you know, the Denver game, they should have won by a lot more, but they hit a low on offense. They are kind of half in, half out on running the ball. And the pass protection still got to get a little bit better. And I worry about that this week. I think the W, obviously, is the big thing, but protecting CJ against a Jets defense, it's pretty good. And they've got to, I think, going to have to do some more quick game stuff. I think they need to do some of the things that people do to protect their quarterback. A lot of this dropback stuff, he is, you know, taking some hits, five sacks. He's fine physically, and he's got a little bit of a mild ankle. That's why he's hobbled a little bit. But he's tough. And, you know, that's one thing I think he's checked another box on. People talk about how physically tough he is. And just ask Alex Singleton. You know, he, he didn't back down an inch to Alex, and you saw the offensive line come to his aid. The guys uh, weren't going to stand for, you know, coming after CJ, and that's good. That shows how much they love their quarterback. No, and I wouldn't expect anything else. Uh, we will continue to monitor your work. I want you to tell me on your social, at 
Aaron Wilson, excuse me, <clears throat> Aaron Wilson underscore NFL is where we can find him on social, Houston. Aaron, I need you to tell me, what who are the Jets going to play at quarterback? I know we don't have time to get into it now in the show, but this thing with Zach Wilson is weird. And Gordon, you and I should talk about this on the other side. Nonetheless, Aaron Wilson will get us all the information we need as it pertains to the Texans and going around the NFL. We appreciate your time this afternoon, sir. Enjoy your air quotes off day, and I will still be following your work. Thank you. My money's on Zach Wilson. Reluctant or not, I think he's going to get the ball. Oh, boy. All right, man. We appreciate it. Aaron Wilson giving us a shout here on Next Up. Gordon, let's step aside. Let's come back with that. Let's talk about this quarterback scenario for the New York Jets. D'Amico's uh, mentor, if you would, in Robert Sala. D'Amico, very um, uh, appreciative of what Sala has meant from a coaching standpoint. And there's also information on just the status of where we are, quarterbacks in the league right now. Some unprecedented stuff taking place, according to James Palmer of the NFL Network. More to come. Wrapping up. What is this? A Tuesday morning. Sports Talk 790. Dan Norfleet. It's just a vibe. Chris Cordy. I wanna be next up forever. The next up mentality on your radio. Every battle that you go through prepares you for the next one. Welcome back to Next Up on Sports Talk 790. I'm all right, moving things right along here. What is it, 11.35? We got 25 minutes before Matt Thomas and Ross Biriel, the Matt Thomas Show, coming up uh, at noon. Chris Gordy, Stan Fleet, Connor D. McGovern. And there was a couple other NFL things that I wanted to get into. This Zach Wilson thing, Texans obviously go on the road. They go up to MetLife Stadium on Sunday. And D'Amico Ryans gets to see a familiar face. Robert Sala has been someone that D'Amico has been extremely complimentary of. And he, you know, D'Amico said as much. If we have that, you let me know, uh, D'Amico. Let me hear D'Amico on Robert Sala. I know that's his man's. Sala has done a, a great job there with the Jets. Um, ton of respect for for Sala and what he's done. I've, you know, I've learned. I learned how to coach from being under Sala. He taught me a lot when it comes to to scheme. When it came to, you know, just handling players. Right. So, game planning. So I learned a lot from Sala and you know owe a lot to him and it's probably the reason why I'm standing here before you because of you know just him taking taking me under his wing and, and teaching me the ropes so much credit to, to Sala for that just great great you know great man off the field <laughs> great man great father great husband just really stand up stand up guy I have the utmost respect for. all right D'Amico Ryans on Robert Sala Showed, showed him the ropes. Go ahead. Yeah, just to add to that, when I was down at the Senior Bowl, not this past year, but the year prior, mm -hmm. uh, I had the chance to talk to Robert Sala a little bit, and I asked him about D'Amico Ryan's at the time because I think you know D'Amico was still at San Fran, and Sala had just gotten the the Jets job, and I said, uh, I said, you know, what do you think of it? He goes, he's ready to be a head coach. He goes, he's he's phenomenal, great defensive mind. He's ready to be a head coach. Because uh, I think there was some, there was some, there was like one rumbling. Somebody was maybe sniffing around, maybe going to interview him or whatever. This was a year ago, sure. um, and so yeah, it was just, it was just kind of cool to hear from the from the horse's mouth. Because it was funny, Saul was asked, asked, being asked a bunch of questions about prospects and college kids and all this, and he was just very, yeah, you know, we're looking for this, blah blah. It was very monotone. When I asked when about, about D'Amico, he lit he up. up. Yeah, yeah, it was like passionate, 
right, you know, ready to hype up his and guy. If you really think about it, you know, we know D'Amico obviously a bit more intimately from his days as a player here, and just obviously we're covering him on a very regular basis. But you know, the Jets were on hard knocks to start the season. And even going back to Robert Sala in San Fran, some guys that I know that are around that organization and have um, played against Sala, everybody speaks highly of him, his character. You heard uh, D'Amico say that just then. But they have some of the similar things going on, right? I imagine that the Jets, if you saw the hard knocks and Aaron Rodgers and Hackett and Robert Sala, like he's a player's coach. But just like D'Amico, you're not going to push him over either now. He's got some old school, put you in your place, hold you accountable. So I think they have some some very similar DNA in terms of how they coach and how they handle their business. Now, I have not seen the spread. I'm going to do so now. Gordy, how much are the Texans favored by going to New York? Well, we don't even know who the damn quarterback is going to be for the Jets yet. We'll get to that here in just a second. Spread-wise, what do you think it is right now? I didn't even look, but I'm looking say, right now. I would say know. maybe Texans minus three. I'm going to say Texans by a touchdown. Let's see what it is. Touchdown? That's a lot. I think the six and a half. It opened okay. at six. It is up to six and a half today. I just think it's tough to go on the road in, in the NFL to, to, you know, even even against a team you, you should be on paper way better than. Uh, weather should be, okay, weather's going to be in the 50s. I thought maybe the elements, you know, might start getting cold up there. Yeah, I'm seeing game time temperature 54. Yeah, the over-under, low-scoring game they anticipate, or Vegas is just expecting a beatdown, 33 and a half. So I, they can't believe that Zach Wilson, and by the way, let's get to this. Diana Rossini reported this, formerly of ESPN. She's now at The Athletic. She's tied in the tri-state area pretty good from what we believe. She says that basically Zach Wilson was asked about, are you ready to start again? And Zach Wilson was like the former number two overall pick out of BYU, what, three or four years ago. Zach Williams like, nah, he doesn't want to, he don't want to start. He doesn't want to play and subject himself to more physical punishment behind this porous Jets offensive line. It's a good thing for the Texans to take advantage of porous O-line. But I've just never heard a quarterback say he didn't want to go play. Well, it's so just weird. That lets you know everything you need to know about that guy and his DNA. Goodness. That's just a bad look. And so Robert Sala had to come behind him and say, well, you know, I'm still working with Zach and we'll have Zach ready to go and all the things. But I want to know the full Lord. story there. Like, is he having to defend him? Uh, like, is it, it's so stupid that they've stood by him so much this year. I don't it's get like, it. Like, we get it. You're in a tough situation with uh, the injury to, to Aaron Rodgers. But... It sucks for this team because a couple weeks ago, Stan, coming into November, they were four and three. And it was like, all right, this team, they're kind of keeping their head above water. Your defense is getting it done. And now they've lost five in a row. And you, you go from four and three to four and eight that quick. It, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not a very good football team at all. Look at the offensive output the last few weeks, too. 10, or I'm sorry, 13 in, in their last win. Then six, 12, six, 13, eight. D'Amico Ryans is watching film on the Jets going, we are going to kill these dudes. Oh, yeah, D'Amico's got to get excited. But what we've seen from these Texans this year, I can't count when they go play Atlanta, <clears throat> excuse me, playing Atlanta and playing on the road at Carolina. I'm not going to get over there. I know y'all want me to get over it. I'm not. It was inexcusable to come out of bye. We can go on the road and play against a winless team, and you're the only win they have still. It's ridiculous. Nonetheless, I can't count that. D'Amico better have his team ready to go. And he knows Salah is going to be competitive. Now, who the hell the trigger man is going to be remains to be seen. Speaking of trigger man, then we'll go to the phone lines. Reggie, I'll take you and Jay Money. We'll wrap up this segment. 
Look at the quarterback matchups for this is about to be week 14. Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky. C.J. Beathard versus Joe Flacco. Gardner Minshew versus Jake Browning. Baker versus Desmond Ritter. Josh Dobbs versus Aiden O'Connell. Bryce Young versus Jameis Winston. This is where, and then James Palmer, 52 quarterbacks have started a game in 2023 through 13 weeks. Last year saw the most different starting quarterbacks in a single season since the merger. 68 quarterbacks played and started a game last year in the NFL. We're at 52 through 13 games, 13 weeks. I'm not even going to say it. I know there are some other layers. I'm not even going to put it in the environment. Not doing that. Offensive line, take care of my brother CJ over there, please. Reggie, get in here on these Texans and this NFL conversation, bro. What's on your mind this morning? Hey, how's it going? Hey, Chris Gordy, how you doing, brother? Yo, what's up, man? Hey, Chris, let me ask you a quick question. Last year when I told you about old Tank Dale and I kept bringing up his name, I told Stan yesterday and he remembered as well. Look, man, I got another name that he's not ready yet, but uh, with U of H yesterday, man, it would be who for the Cougars to keep that Matthew Golden in U of H. There's another guy that has the body, and he's Tyreek Hill and Tank Dave, Tank uh, Tank all in one. You have it right there in Houston, and I hope that Fatita puts some money in uh, Fred's pocket and keep him at, uh, at, in the transport car so that he could uh, not have to go to the draft. I told you three years ago that guy was the best quarterback in the country had he been in another university. Now, Stan, man, why you didn't tell me your university had all these big-time broadcasters? You, uh, oh, Chris you. Long, and old Big Canty, Chris, man. Chris I like Canty. to hear them yeah. on your show, man. So, Tiki, you know, Monday. you guys at the Virginia doing a good thing over there, man. And, hey, uh, Chris, who's going to benefit more with the the Big Twelve, the tech, uh, Texas or Oklahoma, with them going into the Big Twelve with the athletes we have here in Texas. Appreciate the call, Reggie. What, what was he asking? Who's going to think he's saying who's going to benefit more with Texas and OU leaving? Mm. Which school remaining in the Big Twelve is going to benefit the most by Texas and OU going to the SEC, and it kind of leaves a void. In the Big 12, I think that was the question. I mean, U of H, I think, is in a great spot with Willie Fritz. The problem just becomes is, like, every time there's a stud four- or five-star recruit here in Houston, they immediately get offers from LSU, Texas A&M, Texas. You know, it's like those are the big dogs being the in the SEC. Yes, said, so it's, it's what you're up against. It's what you're going to have to battle. But Reggie's a, Reggie's a soothsayer, man. That guy can, like, he's hit on some big, like, out-there pr- predictions here over the years. Good for him. We have to uh, continue to get him on the show. Appreciate friend of the show. And by the way, well, I'll put my LSU broadcast team up against any Virginia guy. Whoa, calm down. Speaking of the Fertitta family. Ryan Clark, Pivot Podcast, one of the biggest out there. Speaking of the Fertitta family. Speaking <laughs> of the Fertitta family. We know their big boost is over at U of H. The Fertittas also own something over there at Toyota Center. They don't own the building. They own the team. Let's give away a four-pack of Rockets tickets, shall we, here on the Second Take Tuesday. 713-212-5790. Call in Oklahoma City tomorrow night is the game. 7 p.m. tip over at the old Toyota Center. For more ticketing information, should you not win, you can go to Rockets.com. 713-212-5790. I'm giving away one four-pack of tickets, and you need to call and tell Connor McGovern who is the new head coach over at the University of Houston, and you will be eligible 
to win the tickets. All right, let's step aside. J Money, I'll grab you, and then we will wrap up a Tuesday here on Next Up, Sports Talk 790. Next Up continues. See what's about to happen next, okay? Here's Stan okay. Norfleet and okay. Chris Gordy. See what's about to happen next, okay? On Sports Talk 790. Introduce myself. My name is O. Y'all are crazy if you think I'm interrupting Hope. <laughs> I love that track right there. All right, man, we got about uh, nine minutes and change before we got to get out. Matt Thomas, Ross Viria coming up your way to Matt Thomas Show. Let's go back to the phone lines. Final caller of the day. Oh, before we do that, congratulations to Marvin in spring. He has won the four-pack of Rockets tickets. He will be our guest, your home of Rockets basketball here on Sports Talk 790 over in the Toyota Center. This was the game that was a late addition to the schedule given the dynamic of the play-in tournament. By the way, did you see how geek the Indianapolis Pacers were? Tyrese Halliburton, who, by the way, has turned into a star. Halliburton's having a great year. They are so excited. The Pacers are to play in the tournament. I saw the New Orleans Pelicans. They are out of the Group B in the West, which is where the Rockets were in contention. They're on the way to the play-in. So anyway, the Oklahoma City Thunder is the game, uh, home game here. And then later this week, I think that's on what, Friday the Nuggets game? I'm going off the top of my head. We got to play at Denver again, and those were the two games added because of the play-in. I mean, it's exciting for the people in it, but like, all right, is this going to get eyeballs to it? Like, if you're not a fan of those teams, is it going to get you going, oh, God, watch this play tournament in Vegas? I think the NBA did what was necessary to consistently try yeah. to, to make the guys want to play. Right? Like, it's worth it to me. I think it was a success. Most of the NBA people that I read and follow have said to them it has been a success thus far. We'll see, though. They haven't got to Vegas to do the actual tournament. All right, let's get over here. Jay Money, get in here, man, to wrap us up here on a Tuesday. What's up, Stan and uh, Gordy? Look here, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Tank Dale. I recently learned that, you know, he got that uh, tibial plateau. Was it a tibial plateau fracture? Yeah, his uh, tibia was fractured, yes. Well, I had the same injury when I was officiating high school football and broke my leg back in 2013. And to this very day, I'm still having problems with that leg. But because he's a young man and the fans of uh, medical facilities, he should be back. And I hope he come back bigger, better, and stronger. Because the young man was in the process of having an outstanding year. And him and uh, TJ was on the roll. No question. And then another thing, too, uh, Stan, on that Cowboys game, did you see notice how the Cowboys was freezing out deliberately Gallup? Did you notice that, or was it just out? It's just me. I didn't see Gallup getting frozen out. I think Dak has proven that he'll spread the ball around if you're there. But I didn't, you know, I didn't notice specifically like, yo, Gallup, he's right there. He's wide open. And they just weren't giving him the ball. We know they go. CeeDee Lamb is going to get his touches. Brandon Cooks has done some good things in Dallas as well. They love those young tight ends. But I personally didn't notice that. I'll go back and look at it, though. Well, I noticed they only targeted him twice. And the one thing he's never done, he's never hit Gallup in stride. It's either behind him too high or too low. But he's never had, had Gallup in sync. 
and just with two targets the other night in a whole game, and that's not spreading the ball around because C.D. Lamb, I hope this young man can hold up, but focusing on him every every game and the catches and the hits he be taking, I hope he can hold up. Y'all have a good day, fellas. Do the same thing, And Jay, all them happy holidays and stuff. Same to you, brother. We appreciate it. Yeah, look, I mean, the Cowboys aren't going to win a playoff game this year, but Dak might 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 win MVP. Dak might win MVP. I'm sorry. Did Dallas win a playoff game last year? That's exciting for Dallas. Did they win one last year? And once every harvest moon or blue moon, they're able to win one. I'm going to get out of here with this. I told you coming into the season, Dak Prescott was a top 10 quarterback in this league. He has proved to be so. Get it. So nobody's talking about the interceptions Dak threw last year. That doesn't come up this year. But he is an MVP candidate. Uh, did you see the Pro Bowl voting, by the way? No, CJ Stroud has the second most votes behind Tua Tungavaloa in the league. He could, he should. I couldn't believe he has that many votes. CJ Stroud, some 39,500-ish votes. Tua's clearly number one at nearly 52,000. So anyway, that, for whatever that is, that's just an early indicator. I also saw something else. Um, boo, 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 boo. I'm going to get you a, uh, when, when the Cowboys uh, don't win the Super Bowl again for another year, I'm going to get you a Dak MVP t-shirt so you got something to celebrate. I'm not a Dak guy. I respect him. I like him. But I don't think. You won't celebrate his MVP when he wins? I don't think Dak is, can elevate the program. And you're not winning the Super Bowl in my mind because of Dak. You can win with him. I don't know that you're winning because of him. If the Texans play in the Super Bowl at some point, it will be because C.J. Stroud and Sloak and whoever else, they're getting busy. I don't know. if I, what, are the, what are the Cowboys missing? Missing? Yeah. Like if they don't have success. Yeah, I still think offensively there are times that I get a little concerned about McCarthy's play calling. I would love them to have a complimentary back to Tony Pollard, a more physical downhill, a Damian Pierce type of back. I wish they had one of those. I mentioned the protection can be here and there. So those are just a couple things that come to mind. Clearly they can rush the passer. Clearly they can intercept the football. So defensively, they are one of the best teams in the league. I don't worry about that side of the ball per se. All right, what we got here? You have something you want to tell the people. Speaking of NRG Stadium, there's something, an event coming here that we want to get people to. Yeah, Houston is the center of college football uh, this postseason. We're going to have the national championship game here next month, but the fun will start December 27th with the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State over there at NRG Stadium. It is the Big 12 versus the SEC. It is the best of bowl season under the bright lights of NRG Stadium. You do not want to miss it. Tons of events during the week leading up to the bowl game. You do not want to miss it. Concerts with Roger Krager, uh, Braxton Keith, tons of awesome events, as well as some pretty damn good football going to be played between the Aggies and the Cowboys. So go check it out, taxacttexasbowl.com. All right, let's get ready to wrap it up. Matt Thomas, Ross Villarreal, coming your way for Connor D. McGovern, Chris Gordy, Stan Norfleet, and all of you who help us do this thing here. Next up on the Legendary Sports Talk 790, we are appreciative. Enjoy your lunch. God willing, we'll do it again tomorrow. Y'all be well. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.